All right, First Timothy. First Timothy is where we are this evening. Chapter uh, chapter one, verse eighteen. It's where we left off last week. Based on the the teaching of First Timothy, especially twelve through seventeen, we believe that it teaches very firmly, emphatically, that uh, Paul was the first member of the the body of Christ. That uh, Paul was the first member to be placed in the body of Christ. Uh, as a pattern to all those that should believe uh, on he, um, Christ uh, after him. Verse 17, he just breaks out into a, a time of, of worship as he talks about to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't think he could contain himself as he was talking about the position that he has. Verse 18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them might war a good warfare. Uh, this Timothy I think was led to the Lord by, by the Apostle Paul. Uh, we know that his, his mother was Jewish, his dad was Greek, uh, his grandmother was Jewish and had an influence on his, his life also. But I think it was Paul that shared the gospel, the grace of God, this young man trusted Christ. Uh, Timothy is pastoring the church in Ephesus. That's where he's pastoring. Uh, when you stop and think of the church there in Ephesus, you have to remember that it was a church that was so, not a church, but it was a city that was so steeped in paganism. It was so uh, steeped in idolatry that it would be very difficult uh, to, uh, to minister uh, in a situation like that. It would have been similar to what Paul faced in Corinth and in Galatia and everywhere else where they, they went. It would be the same type of situation with these cities, totally given into paganism, uh, idolatry, similar to what we're starting to face in this country. Uh, as we stop and think about uh, it may not be idols, but it's definitely sports, entertainment, uh, things of that sort that the people are just worshiping now. Um, that's it's just incredible. It's almost uh, it, well, it's hard to believe that it, there was a, there used to be a time when I remember growing up Wednesday night the the companies businesses would would shut down at noon because Wednesday was church night and everybody was expected to go to church on Wednesday night. So the businesses would close their doors. Sunday, businesses closed down. Uh, we didn't want companies working, so we would work our grandmothers and mothers to death cooking. Uh, I always wondered about that. But, uh, uh, but nowadays, Kids softball teams. Our kids have so many. Uh, our grandkids are involved in sports. Now they still go to church, but they usually have to go there early and and blow out of there as soon as it's over. Uh, it, it's just incredible. There's no regard anymore for worship and that family time. 
Uh, it just beats anything I've ever seen. And uh, so we, this city was totally given over to, to uh, paganism, to idolatry. We're starting to see the same thing. Wherever man's, whatever controls man's heart, um, basically uh, is what he worships. And we're seeing that it's certainly not the things of God anymore that people, people worship. But this charge I commit to thee, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them might war a good warfare. And folks, we need to emphasize, and that's where I was going with all this, is the spiritual warfare that we're in. If you don't think there's spiritual warfare going on, think again. Uh, because more and more demonic activity, um, maybe one of the reasons why you don't see it quite as pronounced and as demonic, as forthright, it's because it doesn't have to be anymore. I mean, it's, you know, Satan, it, the, the battle, uh, he barely has to fight anymore for the hearts and minds of people. So uh, it, it is a spiritual battle. It is uh, a warfare that is, that is raging. Um, maybe, and I say this with conviction, I say this with wondering, Maybe the reason we don't have such a, a difficult time is because we're not taking the stand that just really ticks Satan off. Makes you wonder sometimes that uh, <coughs> he knows he doesn't have us, but if we're not, if we're not serving the Lord Jesus, if we're not being as faithful as, as we need to be in our witnessing, well, then that's okay. We're right where he wants us. I don't know. Uh, but it's something to think about. That he was committing this truth to Timothy that he might fight, might war the good warfare. That he might... about that all the time, Pastor, when abortions. Yeah. Oh, all yeah. Yeah. We, we just. Do enough, and, and it's, you know, that, but so much else that goes on. And we just, we watch it on the news and go, oh, that's unfortunate. Where maybe there, maybe the time's coming where we're going to have to get a little more or a lot more militant upsetting. And when I say militant, I'm not talking about with pitchforks and guns and axes and 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 that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about being much more uh, forthright in our stand and telling people what it is that we believe. Right. Right. I just wanted to say right. something because he brought up the fight for abortion right now. Um, this is men and women, but it's called Concerned Women for America. Oh yeah, yeah, we're... They are, if anybody yeah, isn't aware of that, they are doing so many things against abortion and yeah. everything they're trying to do to us. And you go on there and you can even vote. Yeah. Like it, they'll do emails by you to the senator and I bet it's, it's really an amazing job that yeah, we've been supporting them for quite some time. John? The problem is that most people don't believe that Satan even exists anymore. Yeah, There's right. not enough preachers for him. <coughs> the other ones, they don't preach him. Right. And they don't tell you, hey, he's real. Yeah. So they don't even consider it. Right. You know, yeah. that's the problem. So he doesn't have to be active because no. he's right. They're right in that, that rut right where he... He wants them. 
But during the tribulation, once we're gone, that's when it really gets active. We've talked about that before, when he is going to insist on being worshipped. Verse 19, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, what in the world does that mean? That he has turned over to Satan. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. Before we answer that, let's get a little bit of background. Well, not background, but a little bit of First more understanding. 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. Because I think this is what Paul is talking about. I'm not sure. I don't. Paul, as the apostle, perhaps <coughs> at this stage during the transition, he had the authority, sort of like the twelve had authority. Whatsoever sins you maintain, they're going to be maintained. Those are the ones you remit. The ones you forgive, they're going to be forgiven. The ones you hold, they're not going to be forgiven. You know, the apostles had that apostolic authority. Did Paul have a similar? Is that what he's talking about? I don't think so, but at the same time, uh, I think what he was doing here is saying, basically, uh, Lord, I've turned these over. You know, to say they, uh, there's not a whole lot that I can do. You see what they've done, and Lord, you're going to have to take care of them. And he said, I've delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. What all that entails, we're not exactly sure how much authority he had, but I, I, I do know that it, it was concerning to him because of the activity and the, the things that were going on that these two men were causing. And I know this, God would take that seriously from, from Paul saying, I, the, what they've done here, the, the trouble they've caused, uh, I'm just I'm turning them over to Satan. 1 Corinthians 5, 5. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Uh, I think you take those two scriptures and you know, the scripture does talk about, Peter talks about a sin unto death and, and being leery of, the, of that. Uh, here Paul is the guy in Corinth that was having uh, a relationship with his uh, uh, his uh, father's wife and that an abomination in the church there wasn't doing anything about it uh, although we do know from 2 Corinthians that they did do something about it this guy repented, he came back and so he was reinstated and all that so it had a happy ending but we know that Paul had that authority that, that he turned him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that he would still be saved. He would still be saved. And I think the same with these people here. That Satan literally, you take Satan desire to destroy them. Uh, Paul was, was pulling back and saying, you know, have at it. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 1. A three, I'm sorry. First Corinthians. 
Not that this really falls into that, but it kind of gives us an idea, though. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. Now start with verse 13. 1 Corinthians 3, 13. And every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Uh, I think all that fits in, is that there's going to be a reward uh, the Bema seat, there's going to be uh, re rewards issued, there are going to be rewards lost, um, and I think it has a lot to do with, well, I know it has to do with the believer's walk and works, his conduct, uh, that's all going to be part of that Bema seat. But here I do know that as Paul's writing to Timothy, there's action, there's difficulty, there are things that people are doing who were believers, who were, they knew the Lord, but they made shipwreck the faith. They were causing all sorts of distress, discomfort, and hardship, poor, poor testimonies. And Paul says, I, I just delivered them over to Satan. And uh, all that that entails, that's all we hear about it. That's it. So we're, it's, it never tells us whether he had actually the authority to do that so that Satan could buffet him. We uh, buffet him? We don't know. Courtney? What's the Bema seat? The Bema, that's the reward seat of Christ. Uh, that every, every believer is going to stand before the reward seat of Christ. Uh, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. But there is a, you have two, two judgments. You have the Bema seat and you have the great white throne. Believers are going to be present at the Bema seat, the reward seat, uh, where we all give an answer for all the deeds done in this body for reward or loss of reward. And, and that'll make a great study one of these days when we can, we can look at that. Linda? There was another one, too, where Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan would have you, you right. to sift you. Right. So, and that might be exactly what Paul is... Satan wants to do that. Not that Satan had him, not that Satan owned him, but boy, <clears throat> he sure wanted he, Peter. He could sure abuse him. Uh, again, I do not believe that a believer can be possessed, but uh, by by demonic beings. But boy, can they be uh, obsessed? Or, uh, they could they could do what? Stumble. That could stumble at that. But there's possession. And uh, oppression, oppression, oppression. What did I say? Yeah, oppression. Yeah, oppression. And I think Satan can can do that. Chapter two. We finally got out of chapter one. I guess unless somebody has a question. Okay. Verse one. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I think it's absolutely appropriate for us to pray for our lost friends, our lost family members, uh, those that we have uh, a desire to see saved. Um, supplications, 
that is specific needs. That's taking petitions to the Lord with uh, specific needs that we might have. Supplications, going to the Lord with, Lord, we're, we're praying over this issue and that issue. That's so, so absolutely important. Uh, prayers, that's the devotion. That's when we, we start just praising God for who He is, for what He means to us, uh, how thankful we are to all that He has done. So you have the, the supplication, uh, prayers, intercessions where we pray for our family members. Lord, we want to intercede for, uh, for these people that are, that are away from you, that are, we know they're in sin. Father, we know that they're doing things they shouldn't do. Uh, and intercede on their behalf. God's Word tells us, and giving of thanks and be made for all men. Not just the ones we love, but even the ones we don't like. Faye and I pray for the president every morning. <coughs> pray for his cabinet. Pray for those in authority. Uh, want to see them saved. Want to see them saved. There are people who've done us wrong. Uh, done you wrong. Uh, you want to see. And that really, sometimes it tests you, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. When you, when you have to, you, need, you know you need to pray for them. And it's just, and, and uh, there's been times in people that have hurt us, the only reason I pray for them is because God tells me to. It's not because I want to, uh, but it's because God's works. And so, and he works on me about that too. Yeah, Jen. I have two questions about prayer. I actually wanted to talk to you about this recently anyway, but we can't get around to it because we have so much to talk about. Um, so when you pray, Tony says I pray way too long sometimes. He's like, get on with it. Do you think? No. No? You don't think I get too long? So I'm wondering, is there a point where, I mean, because I don't have to be specific, but yeah. is there? Yeah, I, I think if it gets to be repetition, repetitious. Okay. And if, when you're, you're praying like the Pharisees, and they just prayed to hear themselves pray and talk, I think that then that's, I mean, I pray for everyone in the whole world, but right. I also pray down to the homeless people and the poor people and the brokenhearted and widows and widowers and the sure. That, but and that's, that's okay. Children and the unsaved loved ones of body Christ and body Christ. I mean, I just have these little groups, and then I break it down into individual people, like widows and widowers in general. But then Linda and Shirley and all the people in our church and that I know. And so Janet's asking me if she prays too much and. and uh, that's what she's talking about right now. Uh, can, you, can you pray too much? Well, two things. Number one, if it's repetitious, you probably shouldn't do it. Uh, if you're going to be praying that long, it's probably better for you to get in the closet. And, 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 and pray well, on the mat. That, that's good too. And third, uh, be in a submission to your husband. And if he tells you you pray too long, Listen to listen, I say, I'm yeah, listen, listen, listen to your husband. If, you, if he says, Janet, oh, enough already. Uh, so you're, then you're, I'm always thinking, I don't like this guy. Yeah, yeah. His so, prayer is very quick, though. But that's all right. So we switch, so we switch up our prayers at mealtime, did it? If we use the same prayer over and over and over again? Well, I think it's, it's usually at mealtime, it, for me, it's in faith when we pray, it's, Lord, we thank you again. We thank you for this food. Pray that you bless it to our body. I mean, I don't spend time at breakfast. We pray 
like Janet talks about. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, but in, in every mealtime, I just I want the Lord to know I'm thankful for what I'm about to right. about to eat. Yes. Right, you yeah. say prayer all the time. Yeah. Right, and yeah. I pray about the same prayer like every day. I pray for the same people. That's that's that's, I, we do too. Pray for the same people. Yeah. Joyce and I, then I found myself um, like I would make these prayers long and almost like I was telling God his job. Do this and make him do this and this and that. And, you know, and not that you just want to say, okay, I'm praying for Steve. You know, you want to say a little bit, but I mean, I would find myself like going into this explanation, and, you know, like, God doesn't need an explanation, you know, or, you know, that he doesn't have to, you know, and, you know, you pray for a lot of times, I'll pray for a person, the first time I pray for him, I'll pray, lay out the whole thing, and then, you know, then later on, I just say, in this place, person. people out here can hear you. Yeah, so that, you know, pray for this person who's a, you know, who's a missionary to get out of that, you know, the lady we've been praying right. for that's in a dangerous situation with her kid. Well, you know, and, and I, you know, and I, I, and I ask God, I say, God, I don't want to be, like, lazy with my prayers, but I don't, I mean, I could pray for hours and hours if I did that, you know. And, and that would be so, okay. You can ask God to help you with that too, Janet. As long as you don't pray, God sick them. See, I you hear people pray, Lord sick them, and that kind of prayer. But but praying for them. But let me tell you, if your problem is you pray too much, that's a problem to have. I mean, the problem we have is people don't pray enough. So if your husband's criticizing you for Janet for praying too much. Then that's he doesn't a, criticize, he just gets frustrated. Oh, right. Well, I, I, you're still yeah. Well, if I'm trying to ask her something or talk to her, and, and no, you know, we're talking about the That's why time. she needs her closet. That's why you need your closet. Sorry, come on. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, go ahead. you want to say something? Oh, did you have something? I didn't see your hand. Oh, I was going to say, I'm listening to Joe. My husband and I, we prayed, but I was telling him when, when, um, when Daniel went and prayed three times a day, it wasn't long words. Sometimes we just went in and said, Lord, I thank you for whatever you blessed me with. And I was telling my husband, I said, people feel that long prayer is what moved God. I said, but it's not how many words you put into your prayer. Yes, it's how, how much heart you put into it. Right. And so a lot of times we don't know what to pray for. That's what the Holy Spirit yeah. tells us what to pray for people. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yep. So um, I used to be the praying, 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 but it's things in the Word that tell you what to do. The Word tells you to witness to people and go spread the gospel. What do you have to pray about that for? Yeah. The Word yeah, exactly. you. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to pray about the things that God's already told you to do. You yeah. pray for. So I was telling with him, there's nothing wrong with praying, but this word tells us what to do. So if he says, go witness and spread the gospel, what are we praying? God, do we spread the gospel? The world tells you what to do. So, you know, sometimes you have to <laughs> uh, ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom on what to pray. And what not to pray for because this world is, is this is uh, this is the book of Acts. Yeah. It tells you everything to do. Now, there is one scripture that 
does not apply to what we're talking about, but you need to think about it. Be not like the heathen that think by their many words and their much praying that they shall be heard. An example would be, I think it's the Buddhist or the Shantas, they yep. have a prayer wheel and they just turn it and turn it and turn it, and every time it makes a turn, they're pleading with God for something. But that's what the heathen do, and the yeah, rose would be, you know, over and over and over. So, <laughs> so Jeffrey, do you have something? I was going to say that, and there are certain situations, like you said, when uh, Paul was talking about handing this man over to Satan, uh, the Holy Spirit will lead you to stop praying for a person, because that person is not going to do what they know is right. And you know that they know, and they know what they're doing. It's no like secret, like, well, I know that I'm doing wrong. I know that I'm in sin. They don't want to change. They're comfortable in that life or lifestyle, what they're doing. So the Holy Spirit will tell you, don't pray for that person anymore. You know, so it could be a situation like Paul had to deal with Satan, because that person has made their decision that they're not going to do anything what you're saying regarding, you know, repenting. Turn their life over to Christ or whatever. They're going to continue to, you know, they're going to continue to live the way they want to live. Right. And despite what you say or witness to them or bring them scripture, prove to them this is what the Word of God says. Oh, I don't and, care. And I think yeah. very much that's what Paul's talking right. about here. Right. Right. I, I've just I've, I've turned them over to Satan and I let that he's right there yeah. and so we have to be obedient in that and not let our emotions and people that's my son and that's my grandson and, you know that's my brother we have to let those emotions go if the holy spirit is told us not to pray for that person because the and, and but the word of god here tells us and give be made for all men so we that's that's what the scripture tells us to do. So we need to be need to be praying. I do think there comes time when, you know, the Lord, the Holy Spirit does move on us. That okay, that's I've got it from here. I mean, I I can handle this, and the instruction is for us to not to back away from that. But okay, for kings, I'm sorry. Yeah. Is there ever a time like today? I was really frustrated with my husband when I laid down to pray. Do we need to talk? That's probably when you need to pray the most. That's that's when uh, well that maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's uh, when you need to be quiet and let the let the Holy Spirit speak to you or, or get get to the word and let him Janet was talking about she was really upset with Tony. I mean I don't know how that could ever happen. Uh, but she was upset with Tony and she was wanting to pray but is there ever a time that you can be so upset that it's just not best to pray and uh, I think what I said, well you heard what I said I think there's a, that's probably the time to pray or that's the time to be really quiet be still and know that I'm God and, and not uh, you know, not push it uh, but I, I know I know God doesn't want us going, okay, God, I'm here. 
And that's what supplications are. They're, they are uh, direct petitions for something from the Lord. There are things that you need. And the Lord wants you bringing those needs. So that when... So how do you say that though? That, Please do this or thank you for providing? Uh, Lord, you know. Lord, you know that there's a need here. Lord, you know that, you know... Our cars running on Fitness. our tires right now, yeah. whatever, whatever it is. So Lord, you know all that, and you and you've promised to meet our need according to your riches and glory. So I'm thankful that I'm in your. So be thankful in that in that attitude. That attitude. Uh, but the the one thing in prayer, uh, as, as we pray, the one thing to remember, and it's something I'm always having to tell myself. And the scripture that I'm always having to remind myself when it comes to prayer time is a soft answer turns away wrath. Mm -hmm. Now, not just other people's wrath, but you know, your own wrath. My wrath. My wrath. I got a phone call this week, and uh, uh, from some guy, and he left a message saying, "Why are you trying to scam me?" Uh, I got a call from your, this telephone number and either somebody has got your phone number and is calling and scamming people or you're a scammer. And boy, his attitude, the hairs on the back of my neck went up just listening to the guy. And so I called him back and he was angry. And I said, wait, wait, hey. Uh, it wasn't, uh, wasn't me. I, I didn't try to call you. I'm not scamming you. And he was angry and he was mad and he was throwing out all sorts of accusations. And I said, well, hey, 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 hey. And my, by this time, even the hair on my head, not just the back of my head. Uh, and he was just, he was just so angry. And I said, well, first of all, how do I know you're not the scammer? How, how, do, I know, how do I know you're not trying to scam me right now? And it, it finally went where he hung up on me. And uh, the more I sat there, and I just thought, Lord, I know you heard that. I hope Faye didn't. <laughs> and, uh, I, he just angered me. So I sat there, and then I tried to call him back and, and scan him. No, I tried to call him back. I, I tried to call him back and, and, and talk to him. And I left a message. I said, hey, this is Rick Allen. Like, well, what he said was, 
because uh, he he called and left a message and my phone says uh, this is Pastor Rick Allister right. blah 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 blah, blah. and so so he said uh, you're not very nice for a Christian gentleman but I hadn't I hadn't said that but, but I just asked him well how do I know that uh, yeah and take my word for what I said don't talk to faith. Uh, how, how I talked to him. But, uh, and I tried to call him. I said, hey, this is Rick Allison. I'm calling you back. We kind of got off on the wrong foot. I really would like to know what happened. Uh, if you could call me back, let's, let's just take it from the beginning and let's start all over again. And he hasn't called me back. So, that was a scammer. And, and I called AT&T and they said, nah, he's, yeah, you're, you're right. He was the scammer. Yeah. And so, anyway, that was, that's that. What a soft answer. But had I remembered that scripture, that a soft answer turns away wrath at the very beginning, and that, that is so important that we remind ourselves. With that. All right, let's, real quick, Linda, then we'll get. That man that confronted me outside the store, what are you staring at? And I wasn't staring at him. I was looked at him and looked out there because you're supposed to check your surroundings. And I said, well, you're so handsome, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Hey. He didn't have anything to say after that. <laughs> let, let me tell you what I would never say to a guy. Uh, that. <laughs> verse 3. Oh, no, verse 2. Pray for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. One, not only is this from a theological uh, directive from the Lord, but this is also dispensational because in the tribulation period, that's, uh, this is not going to apply. During the tribulation, when they're not going to be able to live peaceably. There, it's during the tribulation time that there, there's going to be the persecution like the world has never, never seen before. They're not going to be able to lead a quiet life and peaceable life. That's not going to be applied during the tribulation period. So at this point, we understand that they're in the dispensation of the grace of God, not in the tribulation for this is good and it's dispensational in its, its approach and, 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 and as application. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Pray. Who will have all men to be saved. This is what I was really hoping to talk about tonight. Who will, but that's okay. Who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. That's God's will. That's his desire. Now, I, I grant it. I'll, I'll give the, the Calvinists, the Reformed theologians, uh, that the Greek word there uh, is not the determinate will of, of God. It's a totally different uh, Greek word. Uh, but it still means that it's God's desire. It's It's... It's what he wishes. God wishes that all men be saved. And if God wishes, if he desires, what is he not going to do? He's not going to choose some to be saved and some to be lost. He's just not going to do it. 
If his desire, if he, if he wills, if his, what, what God wishes is that all men be saved, then he's not up there going, okay, I'm going to elect this one, not, not that one. I'm going to elect this one, this one, okay. Uh, you're in, you're out. Uh, I, that, that's not the way God operates. It, because if it's God's will that all men be saved, and he can elect some, or he can regenerate some, he can quicken some, and, and not others, then why don't he just work quicken all? Why don't he just do that for all? Free will. And that's, to me, it, it, it would be plain and simple. If, if for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and there are some people that he, he saves and some he doesn't, why don't he, if he's truly a God of love, Free will. Why, why don't, and if it's his will, if his desire, why don't he just do it? Free will. And, well, because of free will, absolutely. He, he, that's part of what God created us with. But I will tell you this. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, it's God's will that people, whosoever become, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. That whole Second Corinthians fifteen, Second Corinthians five, starts verse seventeen starts about how God makes you a new creature, a new creation. Can but it ends with God reconciling the world unto Himself. What we have to understand, and I'm not teaching universal reconciliation, uh, although God, look, look there. Let's look there. Although. Although. Turn, turn to 2 Corinthians. I always get in trouble because people don't under, they may not understand. When you get done, I want to say something to you. Okay. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us, all of us, the ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? It's reconnecting. It's bringing back together. He's giving us all that, that ministry, that message that God desires to be reconnected to mankind, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The part here is that he is committed unto us, he, uh, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto him. God has reconciled the world from God's perspective. The, the world has been reconciled to God. From God's perspective, it's whosoever will, let him come. From God's perspective, it is, he's not willing that any should perish. From God's perspective, He's not. He, he's willing that all men be saved. Now, that's not the universal, uh, or that 
reconciling the world unto himself is not the same as universal justification. I'm not saying that all the world's going to be saved, that everyone's going to be saved, because there's a difference between God in Christ reconciled the world unto himself. That is what the cross was capable of doing. That is what the blood of Christ shed on Calvary's cross was capable of doing. It is causing th that, that salvation to be offered to all and whosoever will, let him come. What a, what a glorious God. What, that, that epitomizes what, what grace is. Now, from God's perspective, he says, whosoever will. Man's perspective says, I don't need you. And man exercises his free will. God exercised his will when he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to reconcile the world unto himself. And that tells me that anybody and everybody, if they'll do what the gospel, if they'll believe the gospel, will be saved. And, and it's not that God has called and elected some to be saved and some to be lost. That's not what the scripture teaches. Amen. Uh, so Linda and then... Oh, something that I found in my, my study with the Greek and the English, the word E-N is translated to English I-N, and it is always in the dative across the ages. The next word after N, created in Christ Jesus, is dative across the ages. It cannot be rescinded because the next two words are also dative across the ages. Whenever, so when you're reading the Bible and you come across in, it's dative across the ages. It's from God. He means it. He said it. It's done. It's settled. It's settled. So, uh, I was going to say, piggyback up what you're saying about Christ dying for all. I had to explain to somebody. I said, if you have a party and you said, I invite everybody to come, everybody's not going to come. Yeah. So it's not that you weren't invited, you chose not to come. So it's the same, same thing. Same yeah, thing, yeah. And you may want everybody to come. Yeah. And you want everyone you invited uh, to come. Courtney. So then how does it fit in with God knowing that some people won't come? I, I think man has a free will. Just like Jim mentioned a while ago, free will I think plays into it. And you say a free will. I, I think man is broken and bent and he exercises his free will to reject. But what we, the part we've got to throw into that equation, and I think so often we forget, is the Holy Spirit using the Word of God to convict that person of sin. I didn't come to Christ because I was such a good kid. I came to Christ because the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. I knew I was lost. No one has ever come to Christ in believing uh, without the Holy Spirit Amen. convicting them. Faith comes by hearing and, and hearing by the, by the Word, Word of, God. of God. And until I, you know, I, there, was, there were years I wanted to be saved, but I didn't know how to be saved. I knew that Christ was coming back. My sweet grandmother, she... She shared Bible scripture, but no one ever sat down and said, let's talk about what you need to be saved. I thought I had to be good. I thought I had to be baptized. I thought I had to be good to my sister. I thought I had to live right. I thought I had to go to church on Sunday. As a kid, when other people were going to church, we lived out in the country and you'd see the cars coming by, I'd run around the side of the house and hide because I didn't want anybody to see 
that I wasn't in church. I, I knew I needed to be in church. I was, in, I was under conviction way back in then. But it was when I finally had uh, some friends actually witnessing to somebody else. They were witnessing to somebody else. They had invited me to go. I think I've shared my testimony with you before where uh, I'd gone to church three Sundays in a row and that puts you on the Sunday school road. And boy, I would, okay, I'm home free. I'd gone three Sundays in a row, my name got put down, and I went four Sundays in a row and I got invited to go visitation. And I remember that it was after football practice and a guy came to me and said, hey, Ricky, we're going, we're going witnessing tonight, uh, going out on visitation. I thought, what is that? And they said, we're, we're gonna go visitation, we're gonna go witnessing, you wanna, you wanna go with us? And I thought, you need to be coming to see me. But I went, sure, yeah. Uh, so we went to see a guy by the name of Steve Arnold. Everybody called him Peanut. I, I, I just know Arnold and Peanut. But anyway, that's what we called him. He played on the same ball team with him. We, we played ball together. And we went to see this guy. And we, we sat down in his living room, and there was two other guys, myself and then Steve. And they went through the plan of salvation with Steve, and I was sitting there listening to every word they said. And Steve just sort of tuned them out completely. He just, he just didn't listen. I went home that night, and I got on my knees by my bed and said, Lord, I, I, I believe you died for me. I, and that night, I trusted Christ, you know, as my Savior. So, it, it, but I would have never had, had, it was the Holy Spirit convicting, but unless somebody came and shared the gospel and what I had to do to be saved, uh, I would have never gotten saved. Having a desire to be saved, well, I think the Lord was going to send somebody eventually to share the gospel. And, that, and maybe that person that's praying, you need to be the one. But I can tell you this. I was under such conviction. Had I been driving down the road and somebody rolled their window down and said, hey, you want to know how to go to heaven? I would have Yes. I mean, that's how in the conviction I would have been. And I would have said, pull over. Pull over. Yeah. And how many other people do we pass up on a daily basis that are under? Because if the Holy Spirit was convicting me, I guarantee you, he, he convicts others in the same manner. I don't know how we got off on that. Courtney's but oh, Courtney's question. Yeah. 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 So that, I forgot what your question was. So for all of you out there, I'm not sure what Courtney's question was, but it was... It was a good one. But, but, but real quick, we will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that knowledge of the truth is acquired from the Word of God. And if we don't know the Word of God, we're not going to be able to teach them truth. This, thy Word is truth. And in order to share the truth, we've got to know the truth. And that's why Bible studies are so important. That's why church service is so important. I, I, I tell you, I disagree with those vehemently that are always talking about, well, my church is out in the woods or my, my church is, is out on the, in the fishing camp someplace, out on the riverbank. Or, uh, uh, you don't have to go to church to be saved. No, but you have to go to church to grow. You have to grow. And you don't realize, if you get away from your church, you don't realize how you could twist things up. Oh, sure. I mean, it's just human nature. And then you start twisting stuff to make it sound good about you and 
and making you know making you sound good and what making you, you sound not, spiritual. Yeah, making make and not and you, yeah and everything. I mean yeah. that you're thinking, oh maybe it's not so bad. God loves me and. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can just get so twisted yeah. up if you don't keep going to yeah, church. Yeah, before long, what happens is you, you save yourself. Hey, I'm not such a bad guy after all. Hey, I'm okay. Right. Uh, and, and you, oh. I'm, I'm, a good, I'm a good guy. Yeah, Jen. I just want to say that until we found this church, I wasn't even sure I believed in organized religion anymore because there are so many false prophets and so many lies being told and deception and... And, you know, we were married by a female pastor that gave us an Israeli-type ceremony nope. blowing through the shofar and all. So we were just completely confused. And when I came here, I was like, we're home. So this church is very different than many, most other churches, I would say. And so if you find a church that can write the divide and make sense of some of the confusing things in the Word and guide you through... Rightly dividing. It just doesn't make sense oftentimes. And when you have a pastor that's up here speaking in tongues and telling you you got to get baptized every week and, you know, that that's how I do it. I got baptized every week as a child. Didn't give me any closer to God, but I got baptized every week. So this church has made that difference for me. But the good news is she's still looking for an organized, she still hasn't come to an organized church. So, you know, that's, just ask Patty. And Patty's organized. It's the preacher's mind. So, okay, so, Stephanie, did you have your hands? But I was just beginning. My husband and I were talking about how different this Bible fellowship, something about fellowship is. We were out of church for five months. Praying and asked the Lord to send us, lead us where He needs us, lead us to where we can really learn because where we came from, we weren't um, button heads, but you know, things about, you know, teaching about how they didn't meet with share the truth, even to the pastor. Right. You know, it was, it was, you know, always a um, friction. So, I asked the Lord to show us what go because we need to fellowship. Now, my daughter, I, I said, said this, my daughter was saying, I don't have to go to church to um, serve God. I thought that too. So I thought she, she was going through a very bad time. <laughs> and so she was at home. And I said, now, you're going through that by yourself. If you go to church where people can pray for you, encourage you, it's contagious. When people pray for you and encourage you and uplift you, you will feel much better and much more encouraged than being at home looking at whatever's on TV or listening to the radio. When somebody is praying for you, it it kind of changes things. Well, it's accountability too. Right, it's right, absolutely right. So, um, I had that mindset too. I can, I can read at home. I can, you know, but I like. God wants us to fellowship. Right. He wants us to come together. And that's why Hebrews says not to forsake God. the assembling yourselves together. As the manner of some such is. Yeah. I, and I, I think it's encouraging. It's encouraging. It's encouraging to the pastor, but it also encourages one another. Uh, 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 Resurrection Sunday, we had 101. 
I mean, that was encouraged to oh, yeah. people walk in and look about where, you know, and, and people complaining about not having a place to park. That, that's the kind of complaining I love to hear. Is they, they can't find a place to park. I'll give up my parking space. So anyway, it's, it's accountability. We all need fellowship. Janet, you had one other question. And, oh, that just came out. All right. Linda, then we'll be done. I think, in, in my case, I didn't know what to call it. But at a very, very, very early age, Catholicism to me was stupid. But how'd you really feel about it? Pardon? Well, it, it was. It was. I mean, if God created this whole thing, how in the world is he so stupid that you have to say the same thing to him every day over and over and over and over and over? What is he deaf and dumb? Well, the bottom the bottom line is that the, the, the bottom line is is that God calls us to worship Him each and every day. Yeah. And if it just becomes routine, if it becomes boring, same old, same old and the same old, boring, same old. Yeah. Then it's then that's not worship. To and me, then, worship. And then you, knowing God has never been boring. It's never boring. Never boring. From the time I trusted. Then when I asked one of the nuns, "What are we going to do when we get to heaven?" Oh, we'll say the mass and we'll say the rosary and, and the litany of the saints. And I said, I'm not going. I can do that here and bore myself. And then after, after I realized what they were doing, you couldn't control me after that because I wouldn't kneel in church. I wouldn't stand. I wouldn't go to confession. You know, bless me, Father, for I've sinned, that it's none of your business. <laughs> well, speaking of that, and that's what we're going to look at next week. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator, one mediator. between God and man. Save that for next week, Linda, because we'll be talking about okay. because that's what that's what the Scripture says. That's a that's a great segue into next week. Uh, there's one, one God, one, medi one, one mediator, God, one mediator. He's all we need. But for your sake, when, when you get to heaven, I'm going to laugh if God hands you a rosary. I'm, I'm, that, that is, I, I, I would think that that would be, that would be fun. Just to see. And you go, no, I'm just kidding. So, anyway, any other questions or comments? I'm not. Yeah, they do. Okay, everyone out there, over over. we like wish you were here. We have a good study, and I hope you heard all the questions. But it's good to see you all. Well, that's the way.